Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hi, my friends. Welcome back. All right. Funny thing about my knitting. So way back in the Stone Age when I was a resident, hysterectomies were either open or vaginal. Those were your options. LAVH was just starting to take off and TLH definitely did not exist yet. So when you were a resident on any of the GYN services and in the OR all day, you'd be tying down pedicles all day long. And you'd actually get a blister on the tip of your index finger from all the tying, at least until your skin thickened up a bit. We called this Vicrofinger. So it turns out a similar phenomenon happens when you're a new knitter, not from the yarn, but from repeatedly handling the tips of the needles, especially if you're a little bit obsessed and doing it a lot. For the first week or so that I was knitting, the tips of my index fingers and thumbs were really sore and it felt exactly like Vicrofinger, which was something I hadn't thought about in years. Who knew? Okay, so today's topic. I've always thought this was just a Midwest thing, but I've never lived anywhere else in the country, so it might be more universal than I think. But here in the Midwest, if you compliment someone on something they're wearing, you've got at least a 50% chance that they'll respond with, thanks, I got it on sale. And they might even tell you where they bought it and how much it cost. I think of this as the Midwest discount, not money discount, but that we tend to discount or devalue the compliment. It's like you're saying, oh, hey, don't be quite so impressed. A similar thing happens when someone receives praise for something they've done or accomplished. People will immediately counter the praise with, yeah, but, and then an explanation of how they didn't really achieve something or someone else deserves credit or that it wasn't that great or whatever. And a funny thing, today while I was on the treadmill, I was listening to old episodes of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and in one of them he was talking about the same thing. So I guess at least this part isn't a Midwest phenomenon. But it got me thinking, why do we do this? What purpose is it serving? Now, before we break this down, I just want to clarify that I'm not saying there's something wrong with doing this or that you should try to stop doing it. I'm just saying that when something like this is happening and you're not totally sure why, it can be really helpful to do a little dissection. As a quick refresher, not that any of you need it by this time, everything we do, or in this case say, is driven by how we're feeling at the time. And that emotion that we're feeling comes from a thought that's occurring in our mind. It can be totally unsolicited and unwanted, or it can be something that we're purposely thinking like a mantra, or anything in between. So one of the obvious possibilities is being humble or aiming at humility. Sounds like a good thing, right? Isn't humility supposed to be a virtue? Well, let's take a look at the definition of the word. According to dictionary.com, humble means, quote, having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance, unquote. Hmm... Is that really such a good thing? I mean, it probably depends a whole lot on the context. Let's say your clinic has been struggling with efficiency and you came up with an idea for a redesign and everyone in the office is really pleased on how things are going with the new workflow. Lots of people are complimenting you on your great idea. 
if we're in a humble mood, the thought might be something along the lines of, I'm not special. Anyone could have done this. And then your response to the compliments when you're thinking you're not special and feeling humble would be something like, oh gosh, I know everyone was thinking the same idea. I just happened to speak up first. Sounds pretty innocent on the surface, but what do we think about a whole lot of I'm not special thoughts rolling around in your head all the time? It might be worthwhile to consider what other areas they're impacting. Or how about this? What if you're feeling a little imposter syndrome? We'll stick with the same example for illustration. So everyone's telling you how great your new workflow is, and you have a thought like, well, it was a fluke. I can't really come up with ways to fix things. So then you might be feeling something like insecure or inadequate. And what you say out of feeling insecure might be almost exactly like if you were feeling humble, like anyone could have done this. I just happened to be the one who said it first. But this time, what's your goal? Your goal is to hide and to deny the accomplishment so people won't ask you to try and fix things in the future, because certainly if you're in a position like this again, you'll screw it up and everyone will find out you don't actually know what you're doing. Pretty interesting, right? Something that sounds so mundane and harmless might be coming from a real issue. Another possibility may be that we're trying to lower someone's expectations of us. Maybe you do know you're good at fixing workflows and you have no lack of confidence about it, but you just don't want to be asked to fix everything all the time. You might be feeling put upon because you're thinking, if I take credit for this now, they're going to come to me with every problem from now on. So then you say, oh, it was no big deal. In fact, all you have to do is access this resource and it has all the guidance you need. Or you might say, you know what, it was really so-and-so who has the brains behind this, thereby offhanding both the credit and what you assume will be a lot of future responsibility. Clever? Sneaky? Pragmatic? Well, it's all in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. Or how about maybe a few more simple reasons? Maybe your personality type is such that you're not interested in public praise. If we're looking at the five love languages, or more specifically, the workplace version, which is the five languages of workplace appreciation, you just might be someone for whom words of appreciation, public or private, is at the bottom of your list. Along similar lines, you might be an introvert, and all of this acknowledgement and interaction is just a little bit exhausting for you. Or, here's a fun one. You might be someone for whom words of appreciation is at the top of your list, but you might also be harboring a hidden belief that it's somehow wrong to want praise. So you have a thought like, I better not sound too excited or they'll think I'm fishing for praise, which makes you feel tentative. So this time what you say might be slightly different. Oh, it was no big deal. I'm not sure it made that much difference secretly hoping the other person will rebut and expound on just how amazing they think it is. So the reason I said this is a fun one is that I'm pretty sure there are plenty of people out there having some opinions about this one way or another. Some are thinking, what's the big deal? What's wrong with enjoying praise? And some are cringing a little at the thought. If you're one of those people who's feeling a strong opinion right now, whatever it is, I just invite you to take a couple of minutes here and examine that. What beliefs do you hold that make you feel this way? Do you think there's a right way and a wrong way? Why? 
And if you do, I hate to tell you this, but it sounds like this is a page in your invisible rule book. I just think it's so fun and fascinating to really look at these things and figure out what's rolling around in your head that you might not even know about. Okay, changing topics for a few minutes. Since that was sort of a short one, I wanted to add in another short topic and demonstrate some urge work in action in relation to procrastination. I know I've mentioned that I usually write and record these a few weeks in advance. I like knowing I have a buffer of at least a few weeks just in case anything comes up or I have a particularly busy work week. I like having the security of knowing I can choose to allocate my time to other things and it won't create a crisis. And every now and then something does come up and my stash of pre-recorded episodes will dwindle. This happened recently because I had an exam that I needed to prepare for and that required watching a lot of hours of online content. So I'd be working my way through the videos and my brain would offer to me that I really needed to stop what I was doing and go work on a podcast. To be clear, I definitely did not need to go work on a podcast. I had one advance recording left and the next episode was written and ready to record. I essentially had two weeks before it would be truly necessary and the exam would be over and done with in a few days. I had plenty of time to get through my exam prep and then focus on the podcast only after the exam was done. But it kept coming up. I think it was a combination of a few factors. One, I think, like just about everyone these days, sometimes I struggle with my attention span. I had about 20 hours of content to get through, and even playing it all at one and a quarter speed or sometimes even one and a half speed, it felt like a lot. Two, it wasn't always the most new or engaging information for me. There was a fair amount that was review and redundant, so there's a bit of boredom. And three, I pride myself on being organized and getting things done, so I really hate feeling like I'm getting behind. And I'll reiterate here, I was not behind, just not as ahead as I prefer to be. Truly, no emergency here. So I'd be about 15 or 20 minutes into a recording and starting to wander off a little and think, I really should take a break from this and work on a podcast for a while. So because I've been doing coaching work for quite some time, I'm pretty good at recognizing urges. Urges feel urgent. They feel like, this is an emergency. You have to do this right now. It's terribly important. So if you can recognize that the urgent feeling means it's just an urge, you can then channel your rational thinking and redirect. But first, you acknowledge the urge and you acknowledge the good intent that was driving it. Hey brain, I see what you're trying to do here. You're trying to protect me from boredom and from getting behind. But it's okay, I'm doing fine. I am perfectly capable of making it through this video. And we have 14 days before I need to worry about podcasts. We're cool. Urge goes away. Sometime later, urge comes back. Rinse and repeat. The volume on the urge gradually lowers and lowers and then it just stops. There's no need to get annoyed with yourself. Your brain is sending you these because it's trying to protect you in a very misguided way, but it's trying to protect you. That's normal. Also, getting annoyed about it is resisting, and resisting generally, one, makes the urge stronger, and two, depletes your willpower. Do you see how what I was doing instead involves no willpower at all? 
when you're using willpower, it feels tense. It doesn't feel tense at all to greet and urge, thank it, and repeat your rational thoughts. It actually feels like relief and sometimes amusing. And I tell you what, it's a lot more fun to be amused by yourself than annoyed with yourself. As I wrap up, I want to call back to something I said earlier. What we did today, breaking down all of those thought processes, was not to show you that what you're doing is wrong and you need to change. The purpose is just to find out what you're thinking and what that's creating for you. It's only after you have awareness of this that you can evaluate whether you like it or not. And if you like it, great, now you know how to create it. All right, I will see you back next week. Opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.